Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. The biggest secret of the best traders in the world is that they're just like everyone else. However, they've worked hard to learn the markets and discover what works and what doesn't. But how can you hear about these journeys and get in on the strategies and tactics they use? You can do it by listening to Chat with Traders. Here's your host, Aaron Fifield. All right, what's going on, team? It's great to have you with me, like always. And I'm really stoked to be sharing this week's interview with a VWAP mastermind. This is also the longest interview I've recorded to date. But if the term VWAP, which stands for Volume Weighted Average Price, is completely foreign to you, then that's okay. You're about to be rapidly brought up to speed. And on the other hand, if you're already somewhat familiar, then I can promise that you will learn a whole lot more and really benefit from this week's guest, Zach Hurwitz. Zach is an independent equities trader, a trading coach, systems developer, consultant to emerging hedge funds. He's also a consultant to prop trading firms, and most of all, a VWAP mastermind. For Zach, VWAP forms the lifeline of his trading, and for good reason. This indicator is heavily relied on by many institutional and algorithmic traders. So over the next two hours, that's right, two hours, Zach delivers a thought-provoking introduction to VWAP and shares many insights around his trading philosophies, psychology pointers, and what it takes to code a trading system. And take note, Zach is offering a 30-minute one-on-one coaching session at absolutely no cost exclusively to listeners of Chat with Traders. All you got to do is listen to the full interview for details on how to take him up on this very generous offer. All right, guys, hope you enjoy the interview and we will speak soon. Zach, what's going on, man? Not much, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me on. No, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. I mean, I know it's uh, it's Sunday night where you are right now, isn't it? <laughs> well, if you're a trader, you definitely respect that you don't work typical hours. And uh, that's something my friends, my girlfriend can attest to. Um, <laughs> you know, it's Sunday nights, middle of the night, early morning. Uh, the only time I tell people I'm busy is 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern because that's, you know, prime time trading. And uh, that's the only time I don't take calls or appointments. Pretty much every other time I'm on the clock. Nice, so. nice. So 
Anyway, it's great to have you on and um, I've really been looking forward to this one. So, um, I mean, you were, you were saying beforehand that you're, you're going to try and not get too carried away with your answers, but I mean, <laughs> I know firsthand how deep you like to go on certain topics. So, seriously, and I mean, I'm speaking on behalf of the listeners here, so we're hungry for good, solid knowledge and I know you've got a lot to deliver, so... Well, Don't I was really back. hoping to just wrap up my answers as quickly as possible <laughs> and give you just a few tasty nuggets and then get out of here. No, I'm kidding. Just uh, tease yes. us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. No, this is not internet marketing. This is, uh, I totally understand. And I'm, I'm eager for the exposure and to be talking to hungry traders. I like it when guys are in that intermediate, you know, developing stage. And, and that's what attracted me uh, to talking to you early when, uh, when Pete and Lucci and the guys said, we've got the guy for you to talk to. He's a self-starter, uh, not to, you know, uh, you know, trumpet, uh, you're, you know, sing your praises, so to speak, but, uh, seriously, man, you, you've impressed the heck out of us too. So it's a, uh, it's a good pairing. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Um, yeah. so, so here's what I'm thinking. So let's go right into your journey. Um, we'll cover your early experiences, uh, things you've struggled with early on and, oh, yeah, plenty, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then from there we'll roll into your actual trading method methodology and how you actually tackle the markets, which I know will involve a lot of discussion about VWAP um, and systematic trading. So I'm really looking forward yep. to that. Um, cool. And I know you battled with your trading psychology early on. Uh, so I'm going to bring this up as well, because I think sure. you've got some really good points to share on that topic. There's a, I'm going to mistake, you know, mistakenly refer to this proverb, but it's something like, you know, pay attention or you know, take heed of others' misfortune so you may not have to learn the same lesson through experience. You know, you can hear about it and kind of empathize and happy to share that. Um, you know, this leads right into my trading journey. I graduated uh, from Tufts University in 2008. I always tell people that's the best and maybe worst time to start trading. Uh, I, I think 2007 would have been the worst because you actually would have been trained just a, a tidbit on what the markets could be like when they're easy. And I think lulled into complacency. So I'm thankful that I started during a you know very volatile time. It, on the downside, it kind of got me prepared for you know making or losing uh, five grand a day when you know the markets have, have obviously in the last six years or so evened out a bit, let's say. But um, yeah, 2008, uh, what a time to graduate. Not only a difficult job market, I, I think it, it represented tremendous financial markets, obviously opportunity. I remember I was writing a paper. Um, I think this was must have been March of 2008, actually, come to think of it, uh, writing a paper about systemic risk to the banking system. This is uh, right when I was transitioning from being an English major to an economics major. So for all of you aspiring traders out there who have a non-traditional major at university right now, it's all good, guys. You just got to transition at the last second. Uh, I'm kidding. But 2008 was, you know, it was a real opportunity. Um, I, was, I was speaking about the paper I was writing at the time, Systemic Banking Crises. And uh, it was happening. It was unfolding right in front of me. I realized there was, you know, I was onto something and uh, I needed to participate in that instead of being an English teacher. So uh, perhaps there's an, you know, in an alternate universe, I've been focused on the written word instead of, uh, you know, the technical, the, the chart basis. Um, but um, I'm happy with this one. And so, uh, yeah, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, kind of, kind of zoom in through. Those first, I'd say two years, 2008, 2009, and a little early 2010, uh, I, I feel like everyone in the markets was kind of lost. The, um, the specter of HFT was kind of on the rise. People perceived algorithms impacting the markets, but they couldn't really put their finger on it. 
Um, I'm not much of a scientist, so I, I'm struggling with a proper analogy here, but it's kind of like dark matter. We all know it exists, but like we regular people, we non-scientists have a really hard time conceptualizing what it is that's impacting um, the space around us. And so I, I think traders were going through a similar sort of awakening to, you know, I'm trying to trade by hand. I know there are guys who are using the technology better than I am. How can I possibly get an edge if I'm not a quantitative finance PhD? Uh, what if I'm not Peter Zhang? And, and of course, I say that, Pete, lovingly. Uh, obviously, we just listened to your last interview with him, by the way, which is great. And, um, you know, everyone on the Lucci team is, is kind of a good example of the same thing. In the last 10 years, they've recognized that uh, by putting in the, not only the screen time, but the code time, um, they, can, they can gain an edge uh, as, as an independent trader, as a retail guy, uh, advancing through to the, you know, the advanced tiers, let's say, of retail into professional trading. So, Yeah, so just, just going back there, what actually pushed you into uh, doing a major in economics? Um, I think it was the fact that everything on the news uh, sort of happened around the, the economic space. Now, it, it, was, uh, it was a recognition that the people who were going and applying for, and I can think back to, I think it was like September of 2007, I had a buddy who was applying at Goldman. Of course, he got hired. Um, fast forward a year, he's out on the street. He's frustrated because not only is he, uh, you know, and of course he had family money. That's the type of guy who ends up at Goldman. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he was uh, frustrated that he had put all his eggs in one basket. And while I liked the topic, the subject matter, I, I realized I liked the independence and the potential for trading that it offers. Um, not many other jobs can you put in extra time and, and really fairly get compensated. And of course, the downside, I mean, every trader knows this. Um, this is one of the few jobs where you're really not paid hourly. You can go to work for 18 hours and lose money. Um, and, and that, in a sense, excited me. It, it, it forced um, kind of a meritocratic, I think is the word, appreciation. You know, I, I liked that what I put in, uh, typically, uh, I got on the output side. So while other, you know, my, my friends, and I do kind of regret this, uh, so my Tufts friends, if you're listening, sorry, boys, um, you know, I regret that I didn't party harder and, and have a more fun time the last six months, let's say, that I was at college. But um, I was locked into what the markets were doing. I mean, that was an exhilarating time. I know SKF, um, the 2X uh, inverse financials, was, it was you know, just coming out at around that time. Um, there was so much potential, so much inefficiency. I mean, this is where a guy like um, Peter Zhang would be great to speak about. Um, you know, the opportunity that was being carved out for, for people who understood the products and could trade them. Um, similarly, my kind of options education began at around the same time. I was taking a financial markets course and the instructor, as you know, many uh, the instructors in these kind of stories do, he took me aside. He said, hey, look, you got to you got to stop asking about complex options trading you know, methods like none of these kids are going to be options traders. This is a financial markets course. This isn't a how to trade for a living course. Like, I'm happy to talk to you about it. But if you're trading now. The best thing you could do is put in the time trading. Just, I mean, seriously, go do it. Even if it's with four grand or something like that. And um, followed his advice. And uh, I don't want to put it off on him like it's his advice. Uh, I actually, something I, I'm very happy with is that I started with the absolute minimum. So I got to get my feet wet without, you know, risking um, everything that I had accrued up until that point. Because that money was gone in a flash. You know, it was like six weeks and I exploded the account, didn't understand what was happening. And uh, that was, fortunately for me, the only thing it took. It was like a small car accident to make you realize you got to be a better driver. Um, 
I'm very thankful I didn't start with my entire life savings. Um, it was 2008. You know, money was moving quickly. Like I said, um, traders had no idea what the inverse or or any leveraged uh, ETF um, could do or should do or was designed to do. I think many traders nowadays don't actually still know what FAS or FAS are even pegged to, um, let alone how the daily leverage is calculated. So um, it was kind of an appreciation for having an academic edge gave me um, you know, a potential profitability edge in the markets, as well as I could put in the time. And it's something that uh, you know, we didn't talk too much about. I was an English major before I was an economics major. Something about the qualitative, um, almost like visceral uh, connection I had with chart patterns, that I understood that they weren't just pictures, um, but they were stories, that they were, how do I say this, you know, like indicators of characteristics, sort of like if you put a, um, a chart to how a party went. I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but you, you really could. You could actually draw out, oh, here's where, uh, you know, so-and-so got in a fight with so-and-so and it kind of got awkward for a few minutes. And then by the end of the night, everybody was having a good time. Uh, so-and-so showed up. You're putting like an actual um, visual kind of basis for how to understand or synergize and synthesize, I think is the word I'm looking for, synthesize um, the world around us. And I realized that with markets, they were teaching us um, how to put maybe a, a name to something that we'd all experienced in other parts of our life. I'm not trying to make this uh, you know visceral chart pattern connection too strongly, but rather it, it just spoke to me. Something about it connected with me that um, you could consolidate and display information on the chart in a way that would take thousands of words or even thousands of lines of code. But um, once the human mind picked up on that pattern, it kind of resonated very strongly with us. I've seen this framework before. I know how to operate in this framework. Uh, and whether it's quantitative or qualitative, um, I mean, that just that excites me. And it excites me to this day. I always tell people because, you know, those who know me know that I'm really bad at puzzles and like Rubik's Cubes. It, it's like a Rubik's Cube that I will never solve. Um, and I'm OK with that, you know, versus a real Rubik's Cube where I hate those damn things. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so so you would say that your economics uh, degree didn't really contribute too much to you sort of learning how to trade. I mean, that's sort of what I've heard from other guests as well, asking like, you know, they've said the same sort of thing. I'll I'll give a shout out. The two classes that helped me the most uh, were not my financial markets classes. They were uh, AP English in high school and drama of all of the classes that I took, those two <laughs> have helped me more in trading. Uh, I tell people English because it taught me to synthesize rapidly, you know, disparate ideas, um, trying to relate authors that were, you know, existing in totally different time frames and never met and never thought about each other's work. But, you know, what do they say about each other in a sense? Um, I, I liked doing that with financial markets. They're obviously, uh, whether it's just broadly, you know, equities, options, um, any futures market or currency market, um, or stock to stock. I, I just, uh, something about that, um, you know, it's triggered in me when I found the financial markets. It was just a even more straightforward way of doing it instead of having to read 12 novels to be able to discuss competently about the authors. Um, and then secondly, drama, because it taught me how to read myself and how to read other people, as well as to learn signaling. So signaling is, um, <clears throat> I always think of like a stage whisper you've ever gone to a play and somebody has to pretend they're whispering, they whisper like this. It's really loud, but you can tell they're trying to seem like they're whispering, right? 
um, they're signaling to the audience, hey, I'm trying to let you in on the fact that I'm, I'm sneakily telling this to the other character on stage, but I'm also trying to say it loud enough so that you hear me. And that's just, you know, one random example, but um, how markets will signal to ourselves, you know, to, to us, the traders, the retail traders, um, how we can pick up on future market action from just a few key clues that uh, also, I mean, has, has stuck with me. And it's something that I think when I speak about those early years, 2008, 2009, first part of 2010, I didn't even understand what it was that I had learned, uh, you know, in high school and in college. Uh, that could help me in the markets. I thought that everything that was out there, forums, uh, YouTube videos, um, you know, friends of friends, other quote unquote traders, meaning guys with an E-Trade account, right? That's a trader at, at our definition level of like when you're a beginner, it's 2008. Um, it's a bleak universe out there. And, and Aaron, when you and I first met, I think I told you, you know, God, if, I, if you had been around 10 years ago and I could have listened to this podcast when I was learning uh, this is everything that I wish I had had because I was desperate to find um, sophisticated traders who would understand and appreciate that I was trying to put in the time, but I had limited, you know, skill at, at that moment to contribute anything to them. They'd say, you know, what trades are you watching? How are you doing charting? And I'm kind of like, well, uh, you know, here's some moving averages that are a good benchmark. And they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're looking at it. You're looking at it like checkers, kid. You need to be playing chess. They're played on the same board. But the latter is at a much higher level of sophistication. It made me realize that everything that we were taught was all to make us, I mean, this is a literal quote from, um, you know, something I'd written for St. Lucia the other day, but it comes back to mind. Uh, it was all to make us feel better than it could ever make us trade. That a lot of the technical tools and the ways that this is taught, it's by tradition, not by merit alone. You know what I mean? Like it's not Darwinian. The things that we learn aren't taught to us because they are good. They are taught to us sort of like you give a kid, you know, you give a little toddler baby food. You give them something easy and that they can handle. You don't give them, you know, cognac encrusted filet mignon with like a nice side. Of, like they, just, they wouldn't get it, let alone could they even chew through it. When you're a beginning trader, when you're kind of a, an, you know, an infant mentality, let's say, you need something that is straightforward enough you can wrap your brain around. Moving averages, pivots basic support and resistance. Um, you know, these are the things that it, I totally understand and have an appreciation for why they're taught. They're a good stepping stool into more complicated analysis. Um, and they definitely give you the framework of, I, I, can, I can understand that the concept of support and resistance uh, will, will play out throughout my entire career, right? Whether I'm a beginning or sophisticated trader, um, something about that concept resonates with me, but how I look at it may be totally different when I'm a beginner, an intermediate or advanced trader. Um, and so, yeah, so around that same time, uh, around 2010, I had the good fortune of, and I'll, I'll tell you this story in a second, but um, introduced to, I was introduced to the best trader I know, uh, who is a quantitative trader and fund manager. Uh, his name is David. I have to keep him somewhat anonymous because he is an asset manager, but um, close personal friend. And it, like the reason I say, you know, serendipitously and introduced to, uh, were it not for random chance, I don't know if I ever would have met someone of this caliber. A friend of mine was actually in a Starbucks watching, uh, you know, just, you know, drinking his drink, watching people around him. He saw uh, another guy trading on his laptop. And he went over to him. He said, hey, my buddy Zach trades. You know, you guys are uh, 
A uh, little side story, we're here in Ohio. So for those of you non-US listeners, we're in the middle of the country, in a fairly boring place that's not a major city, let's say. So I always joke, there are very few traders nearby me. So when my colleague saw David trading in the Starbucks, he said, ah, you gotta, gotta talk to my buddy, Zach. Um, you guys look like you're doing the same thing. You guys should get in touch. Um, so we shot a few emails back, ended up grabbing coffee, started talking more. He said, hey, come up to the offices and work with me for a day. We'll see how it goes. Here we are five years later, um, and he has truly inspired me. Uh, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't give him too much credit. Uh, many people have, have inspired me to, to approach systematic trading, but certainly David foremost amongst them. Um, and it was, you know, I think back to something that, believe it or not, a therapist said to me once. He said, trust in the process. And I think what he was saying is, you know, you're a young guy. You don't know how the world is going to work out or, or you know, how how things are going to fall into place. And I always point out to him because he was in his 60s. I said, well, of course you would say something like that. You know, he was kind of my trading coach at the time, right? Uh, of course you'd say that though. You're, you're in your 60s. You've seen the process. Us young guys, we don't trust the process at all because we don't, we have no evidence, um, you know, to found that belief. And seeing Dave, a guy in his 40s, a uh, 20-year veteran in the markets who had been a hand trader and metamorphosed to this systematic trader, um, that we all kind of envision and idealize today. <clears throat> what I mean by that is the guy who has great command of the technology in front of him. Um, you and I, Aaron, we were talking about this, I think, last night. Like, We don't dream of being inundated with information. We dream of having command over all the information currently at our disposal. So it's, I think, that we recognize all sorts of things about the universe in front of us that we can somewhat discretionarily like, you know, ascertain at a point in time. But we know, sort of like trying to, uh, if you're, you know, when you're young, you're trying to catch uh, fireflies late at night. I always think about this. No matter how many you catch, you'll look back at the forest and realize how many more fireflies are out there. Um, we as traders understand that there is, you know, in my world, I always tell people there's about 18,000 potential equities. And that's the entire, that's the universe of trading. I know I'm not going to get more than, I don't know, 100 trades in a day. And that's being ex exceptionally aggressive. So 100 out of 18,000, I'm sure I'm missing some. Um, and that's where my own journey of, you know, trying to, trying to force my way through um, you know, the coding languages that I've, I've slowly acquired tidbits of along, along the way. Uh, it, it has not been an easy journey, but it's something I think we all need to do. And whether it's soft coding or hard coding, so the, you know, the kind of delineation there being uh, soft coding is where you write in English, here's the logic that I'm looking for. And Aaron, you and I have definitely talked about this. I, you and I and Pete have talked about this a lot. Um, building, you know, just broad systematic implementation wherever possible. Where can I turn my brain off and just, you know, plug and chug, as mathematicians would say, where you've got a formula and you know what to put in and you just put it in and let the formula tell you what the formula is going to tell you. Similarly, wherever you can scan, sort, systematize uh, as a retail trader, uh, that's going to be you know, immensely helpful. Then you get to like hard coding where you're operating in Python, C Sharp, C++, um, you know, one of the big boy languages, let's call it. That's where you're dealing with uh, the stuff that Haim and, and Peter and, and guys like Ezra and Brian, also part of the Lucci team, are dealing with. Um, I, I speak with reverence about them because I, I wouldn't put myself among them just yet. Uh, but the benefit of being in this kind of intermediary standpoint where I have a, a, a foot in both the trading and the coding realm is I'm not so far removed 
to where I've forgotten what it's like to not know code. I have a great appreciation for what it's going to take of the developing trader to grow and evolve into somebody who can systematically employ, um, let's just say a scan, kind of like what we're talking about, where you're just looking broadly for things that meet your criteria versus the hard coding approach of, all right, here's my suite of algorithms. How am I going to deploy them? I always tell people, if you're using the word deploy, then you are probably at an advanced level. You know what I mean? Like when you're talking about it, like a drone strike or, or some massive, uh, you know, architected uh, move. But um, when you're just looking to do a scan or, you know, um, make the, like I say, make the technology work better for you, you, know, you think it's crazy. We have these billion floating point calculation capable, you know, per second computers in front of us. And we use them to display the new highs or new lows or what news is frank. I mean, that just seems counterintuitive that we couldn't get more out of them. And so 2010, 2011, 2012 um, was certainly my journey of appreciation of, you know, how, how am I going to make that transition? And then the most recent two years, I would say, have been the actual, uh, all right, let me, let me start on the code. So as you hinted at early in the podcast, detailed answers from Zach Hurwitz live tonight on Chat with Traders. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. <laughs> no, no, uh, that's great. That's great. That's exactly what we want. So um, just I really want to get into that coding and systematic trading a little bit yeah. uh, further into the interview, but just taking it a step back, was there anything in particular that still sticks with you today that you picked up from David when he was sort of your your trading coach earlier on? Sure, sure. I'll give you um, something that comes to mind that, and this kind of relates to what I was saying about English and acting as far as being helpful with trading. Um, learning to create simple stories for yourself about how uh, you should operate as a trader. So David told me one where, and I think he got this from another old wise trader. He said, some days you have to be the mouse. You have to be detail focused. You have to live in the here and now. Some days you have to be the eagle. You must soar over everything and be visionary. And other days you must be the donkey. Shut the fuck up and do some work. You know what I mean? Like where it's really about just carrying the load, being your own beast of burden. And realizing that I'd never put a framework on it like that, but I was struggling to organize myself that same way. If I had career aspirations, but I also wanted to get, um, you know, my trading system off the ground, but I, I got to get out of this Walter Energy position. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that that's like my least favorite stock. Uh, but, you know, it's like it, at, at varying levels from eagle, donkey, down to mouse, you know, we must not only quantify that, but then start operating in that. So we must say to ourselves, like, I'm going to be the mouse today. This is what I really must do um, to get ahead on the other projects. I got to get the small things off my plate. I got to work on the details versus other days where you have to say, I'm going to go sit in a park and stare at the sky and dream about what, you know, I want this business to be for me. I'm again making this up, but um, maybe you're a painter or maybe you're a kayaker or whatever you may be, um, you know, do something that for you allows you to kind of dive into that dreamer mentality. I think we as traders don't get to do that very often and for good reason. I mean, we all definitely see that, you know, make a million dollars with just a $7,000 account working from home for good or, you know, something. Uh, we all can dream of that. But I'm talking about um, what is a dream that we can make tangible instead of a, a dream that kind of like those trading tools from earlier in the conversation, they were designed to make us feel better than they ever could actually make us trade. I think once I awoke, you know, to, or awakened, I think is the right word, to that, um, that, that was kind of the epiphany too, that 
everything we were taught was taught to us for a reason that is separate from the reason we think. And we're going to get that placebo effect of, hey, I'm well-equipped to go handle these modern, you know, fast-moving markets. I've got my technical tools, my RSI, my moving average. Not to speak pejoratively about those in particular. I just mean the first things you learn in any subject probably aren't the best things to learn in that subject. You know what I mean? I'm thinking of scuba diving, or skydiving, any, any other hobby or, or activity probably the same thing. You know, you are taught something early on because you are a beginner. And most uh, traders don't want to feel that they are beginners in anything. Uh, I always joke that if you ask 100 traders, you know, where are you on the spectrum of traders? I feel like 99 of them would swear they're better than that one other guy who didn't pipe up and say anything. But that one guy who doesn't, he says, I don't know where I am. I'm probably in the middle somewhere. Uh, He's probably the best trader because he's, he's become humbled you know, by the awareness of I'm just a person in the markets. I'm not the man. I'm not Superman. Um, from my post on Lucci the other week, uh, you know, we're not Chuck Norris of the markets kicking ass and taking names. I think it's it's an outdated way of looking at the markets in my mind. I, I mean, I really think about it that way. It's the 80s and 90s and maybe even early 2000s kind of heyday of I'm going to make a quick grand before lunch and then maybe two or three after. And who cares? Do some cocaine, fly to Spain for the weekend, whatever. I, that's just not the business anymore. I mean, I, listen, maybe the, the financial crisis flushed that all out. Maybe I came into the business a couple of years too late. But, you know, I'm kind of getting at that's still the that when you tell a non-trader that you're a day trader, that's, I think, what they picture. And I don't think they realize that it's 20 hours a day of quiet, uh, lonely struggle. You know what I mean? That's what I would tell people trading is at first. And and it's hard. Um, Another thing, Aaron, you and I were talking about last night, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping around a lot here, but the kind of poisonous self-talk, the the terrible shit we say to ourselves in those dark moments. I always think it's like, you know, 1130 a.m. The morning session's just ending. You've screwed up. You're down 200 bucks. Uh, You don't know what you're doing here. You don't feel like you have a good read on the markets. You thought it was going up, then it went down. You thought it was going down, then it went sideways. You thought it was going sideways, then the markets just closed. You know, you have no good read on the markets. And you say to yourself, of course I screwed this up. This is just what I do. Look at how I've screwed other things up. I didn't make it to, you know, varsity uh, soccer and I did blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, you start compounding and commingling and falsely correlating all sorts of things. I mean, you will blame yourself for friendship issues, relationship issues, health issues. Oh man. Um, And it's only because we're struggling in a, let's call it non-rational or kind of, I don't want to say irrational because that implies that it's total nonsense, but just not quite the rationality we can ascribe to it. We're having a hard time putting some logic to this environment is what I'm trying to say. And when we do uh, struggle, you know, we try and correlate whatever we can to make sense of it. And when no one else, you know, we can blame the market makers, we can blame the other participants, we can blame the news, we can, I miss blaming um, Bernanke, that was easy, because he was so easily hated, you know what I mean? Uh, we we just push, push the blame off on ourselves. I think that's the easiest approach. And it's unfair, uh, and it obviously has, you know, trading impact on us, but you know, when you're, you're a trader, you are your own boss, you are your own employee and you're, you're, the, you're the janitor, right? You're everything about that operation. And so you're going to be the guy frothing at the mouth, 
screaming, how could you possibly not put a stop in? And you'll also be the guy cowering in fear, worried you're going to get fired because you didn't put a stop in. And experiencing both of those emotions simultaneously, I think really confuses a lot of people. And then that comes back to where the signaling um, from, from drama comes in, where once I realize, you know, there are certain times when I can tell I'm being ridiculous and learning to identify that and tell myself, hey, man, you know, you, you didn't break up with your girlfriend because you're a bad trader. You broke up with her because it wasn't a good relationship. Um, separating those two things, while it may seem ridiculous, right? What, is, what does love have to do with the markets? Um, it, their, their common point is that, you know, you, you're where the rubber meets the road in both of those, right? You're the, um, the kind of common, common point between them and your brain will correlate whatever it can, even when it's not fair and even when it's rude and awful. Um, you know, we are, we are our own worst enemies. And I think every trader has certainly experienced that where they've, you know, maybe uh, being distracted in life on, on, you know, another farm. Maybe it's their, their current day job. I know a lot of traders who are part-time traders who experience this. They say, you know, how can I learn how to be a trader if I have to devote full-time, you know, 40 hours a week to my profession? And I say, well, I, I think that you, you have to ask yourself that. I mean, is this something that you can afford to give up the time for? They just hope that it will kind of osmose into them over the years. And I'd say that it will for most people, but um, there's, there's going to be that also silent struggle of what am I even learning this for? You know, and, and most people kind of going back to trusting the process. Most people don't have a clear example of where trusting the process would benefit them. So why should anyone buy into this belief or mentality? I don't blame the disillusionment uh, of many traders on them is what I'm trying to say. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes. So would you say that the psychology side of trading was probably the biggest part you struggled with early on? Uh, you know, I always think me- like mechanics, like risk management, position sizing, what an indicator is, how to code it, any of this stuff, it's all very tangible. It's the amorphous stuff that is impossible, right? That's where the, uh, the Rubik's Cube approach comes back in and kind of the challenge I think many of us are seeking, right? The fulfillment that we get from trading, believe it or not, is in the frustration 
Um, and that's because we know that it's forcing us along the path of life as much as it's forcing us along the path of trading. And so, yes, yeah, simple answer to your question. Hell yeah. I mean, psychology is what separates, I think, all of us. Uh, I'm going to steal a Dan Shapiro quote. So he's another guy who's working with, the, with Lucci's group. Um, and he could certainly speak more about it. But uh, he was talking about working at a firm where in one month, there's two guys sitting next to each other. They're using the same software and the same system. One guy makes a million and a half in December and the guy next to him loses money. What's the difference? And it has to be psychology. I mean, when you look at it, they've got the same interface with the markets. They're sitting literally, they're as co-located as you can get relative to each other, right? Um, there's, there's nothing to separate them other than the way they process the information at their disposal. And so what we can aspire to is becoming more honest and self-aware. That's step one. And then secondly is like the actual mastery or command or control. I think everybody comes to me as a trading coach looking for how do I get myself, you know, reined in, right? I know I'm a good trader, but I just seem to keep taking these big losses. And I would say, well, then how good of a trader are you? And they say, well, why are you doing this, man? You should be my cheerleader. And I say, no, I should be your, your coach, right? I mean, we, we joked about this uh, the other day, right? I don't look very good in a cheerleading outfit anyway. And, uh, you know, being gruff and screaming at you is probably a little more um, profitable than me just telling you that you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Um, we've got friends and colleagues and spouses, right, for, for that. I'm here to make you more money and I'm here to, to push you along that path. Uh, I think with the trading psychology, it's also something that I don't blame people for being bad at. How often are we tasked with being honest with ourselves? Um, I think in many different ways and at many different kind of philosophical levels, we are in charge of deceiving ourselves, whether it's thinking that um, I don't want to you know, break this out to like politics or, or like religion or something, but I guess I'm, I'm broadly getting at we are all trying to just feel better, not be better in our lives. And I mean that at every single you know, level and scale and scope. It's about time that we started looking in the mirror and, and being honest about what it's going to take to advance ourselves, whether that's financially or, or just, I think, you know, professionally, meaning um, feeling more fulfilled with the job that we have. That's something, again, anybody who knows me knows that those early years were such a struggle uh, because I had, you know, the, the friends who didn't get bounced out of Goldman, let's say, but the, the friends who still had uh, exciting, high-profile careers I really admired them and I looked up to them and, and I wasn't receiving the same kind of fulfillment because I was in a lonely, independent profession where I always think about like, you know, one of my worst years, I made $35,000 or $40,000 and I had friends who were making two or three times that. And when you think about it, you're trading $100,000, you make 40%, that's insane percentage wise, but like, really? To walk away with only, you know, a kind of medium income in my mind, that's, that's not really what I went to a top 25 school for. That's not what I'm spending 20 hours a day, six days a week working on. It's ridiculous. I'm sacrificing my time, my health, my psychological well-being. It was really pretty brutal there. And, uh, you know, I always think back to like, I don't want to start speaking about uh, my holy grail, volume-weighted average price, VWAP, which I know we're going to get to in a little bit. But I really do, I speak about it with reverence because it's something I truly revere. If Had I not found something that resonated with me, that made sense to me, um, I would have given up this business in 2011. You know what I mean? I don't know if I would have made it another year. 
because I was so similarly disillusioned. I didn't believe that the things that I was, I, I, you know, I could pay for education. I could continue to try and scrape tidbits here or there. I could try and reach out to people on Skype. Um, and it was a few other early mentors who recognized that I was putting in the time and I was, I was worth kind of giving a shot to. Uh, not so much that I, you know, I, I wish I had a, you know, I, oh, I was Stevie Cohen's intern or something like that. Uh, no, I've never worked with anyone uh, gigantic, you know, a titan of industry like that. But, um, you know, even people who said, hey, come, come to Indianapolis and, and uh, speak, you know, at, at the seminar. We need a speaker this month and, and you seem like you know your stuff. We'd love to have you. And uh, even just standing in a room with 100 people listening intently to what I was talking about, it made me realize that I'm on to something. You know, this isn't, this isn't uh, just me convincing myself to feel better. This is other people who are sharp and scrutinizing and evaluating this and saying, yo, you're right. I don't care that you're 24 or 25 years old. Uh, you know, you, you look like my grandson, but I, I want to I hear more about this. It intuitively, it mathematically, and it anecdotally, you know, kind of evidence on the charts day in, day out resonated with me. And I've never looked back. Um, I've, I've never, uh, you know, I've never found anything else that has so strongly struck me. Yeah. So let's, let's get onto that VWAP topic now. Um, so how did you first discover VWAP? Like, did you accidentally stumble across it or were, or was this something that actually filled a void and something that you were actually looking for? So I, I, it's tough to think back uh, that many years. God, I sound so old. I'm 28 for the record, almost 29. Aaron, you're what, 24? 24, yeah. 24, I want to say. So it's so funny. We're talking about getting old, like a couple 20-year-olds <laughs> on a podcast talking about getting old. Um, kids these days. So I think it was a combination of Zero Hedge. Um, struggling to remember this guy's name. Give me a second. Brian Shannon of Alpha Trends. And uh, also on the Thinkorswim basic uh, platform, one of their beginner studies that they, they just had included in the platform was volume weighted average price. And so a combination of hearing a few other people talk about it, learning more about the metric on my own, um, as well as realizing I could put it on my own charts. I could explore it myself. Um, that's the kind of hands-on thing that I think people need. It's, it's, it's why I always caution people whenever there's an opportunity to hey, I could just follow this guy. I mean, he's got some great picks. It's like, yeah, but you're not really learning anything. And like the odds of you becoming a better trader from seeing good trades, but not being instructed as to how to find the good trades. I mean, it's just very low probability. Um, so, so it was a mix of, of all three. Like I said, a little bit of, um, it was popularized because I think people were talking uh, about Nanex and HFT and kind of like really granular view into uh, market microstructure at the time. And so there was discussion of how often uh, something would be quoted versus traded, let's say. Um, and at the time they would use VWAP as a benchmark. Now VWAP has been around like almost as long as I've been on this earth. I think it's been around since the 80s uh, or 90s at, at absolute latest. Um, and it's an institutional way of benchmarking how a trade is filled. So for all of you who aren't familiar with VWAP, I'll give like the 30 second and then I'll muzzle myself primer on VWAP here just so people can get up to speed. Um, we've all probably seen a simple moving average before. So this is just taking some periodic assessment of price where, you know, 20 bars. When we look 20 bars in the past, add up all the prices and divide by 20. We arrive at a simple average price. 
We could also do an exponential average, meaning we apply exponentially more weight in that average calculation to more recent price action. So we're kind of trying to um, make it more responsive to more recent activity versus the longer dated, the older activity. So it's kind of like a Goldilocks. I don't know if you've heard the you know Goldilocks story. Um, you know, this is too hot. This is too cold. Well, this porridge is just right. Uh, similarly, VWAP was kind of the moving average that was just right. It was dynamic when it needed to be, you know, not responsive when it should be not responsive. And, and that simply you know, comes down to how much volume is being traded for a given candle as a function of the total cumulative volume for the entire day. So another way to think about this is, um, you know, we've probably experienced this with our grades before, Aaron, you and I, um, when you're taking an important class, it factors into your weighted grade point average very highly versus when you're taking a, you know, uh, an elective class, as they're called here in the United States, but kind of a peripheral class, uh, maybe drama might be considered this. It would only be weighted half of a credit into your um, ultimate calculation. This is applying more significance to more significant, accordingly, parts of your grade point average. So we've all experienced this math in our daily lives, but we've never really thought, hey, I guess that makes more sense. When, when there's more shares traded, that's a more important candle than when there were 300 shares traded, you know what I mean, during lunchtime. And that really strongly resonated. I know I've, that's the word I'm using the most during this podcast, resonate. Uh, but it, it really did. It, it, um, it struck a chord in me that I've seen large trades happen. I can very easily hypothesize why those might be more important than the tiny little 300 share trades in the after hours or something. I wanted my tools to reflect that same intuitive thesis. I wanted to understand um, not just what some periodic measure of the average price, you know, this is a joke, Aaron, you and I've made many times back and forth to each other. Like, you know, you don't periodically ask any other question in your life. You don't ask your, you know, your spouse, Hi, honey, how have you been for the last 20 hours? You know, we're, we're looking for like a kind of thematic question, like how have you been since I last saw you? Or how was that trip? Or, or you know what I mean? We're asking thematic questions, cumulative questions. And so, uh, you know, trying to summarize all this again, this is way more than 30 seconds. Ah, forgive me. Um, you know, we're trying to put, we're trying to put math around the, the trading experience. We're trying to, to build some sort of simple model that, and it's very hard to do. Anyone who's done systematic trading knows this. You can't really build one model to fit all market types. But by letting the market, as it goes on, determine the model, uh, there's some benefit to kind of saying to the market, hey, you're smarter than I am, right? I'm just a guy trying to, trying to fit you know, some curve for understanding a true average price about the market. Um, could you tell me Mr. Market, how I should set up this model? And the market says, oh, sure, just you know, go ahead and follow my volume as a function of the current volume, you know, the current candle's volume versus the total cumulative. I mean, if only it were that easy, but I'm, I'm kind of saying that it is. The market many times will tell you how we should interpret or intuit um, the way it's acting. And that's a very counterintuitive way of looking at it. I mean, typically we're used to, here's an indicator. It lags price by a few bars. So, Therefore, I should, you know, expect to always be a few minutes behind the market. Um, I've never seen anything where the market reacts to this indicator as much as this indicator at reacts to the market. 
And so that ties back in with kind of history of VWAP. It was built for large traders um, to benchmark their execution quality. Did the broker that I gave this order to wait until the end of the day and then buy at the very highs? You know, did he kind of screw me? Or did he use his investment acumen and his connections to get me a good price? Is he filling me at the true average price? Let's think about it that way. I mean, it's kind of a misnomer, but uh, an easy way of thinking about VWAP. It's the more accurate, the more honest average price for the day. So it's neat that we finally got the tools to answer questions uh, that we've always had, but never had the tools to answer. You know, when traders ask, how is this stock traded since that news came out at noon or whatever time in the middle of the day? We're not going to set up a periodic moving average that is X number of bars long, depending on uh, how far away we are from that point in time, because that's impossible. We'd have to start it at one bar and then the next bar, you know, a minute later, we'd have to set it to two bars moving average. Next bar, three bars. We constantly have to go back and keep changing it. That is unrealistic as far as what we're going to do in just a pure workflow perspective. I mean, that's just annoying to have to go in and edit your technical indicators all the time. But that question remains, how is this stock traded since some important event? Or how is this stock traded for the day? Who cares about 20 periods or 50 periods or 200 periods? Those are arbitrary benchmarks taught to you when you're a beginner because like baby food, it's what you can handle at that time. And if you're listening to this podcast, I mean it, you are not a baby food consumer. You are at the very least an intermediate trader. And I mean that because if you're putting in the time, if you're spending an hour to listen to traders uh, talk about the craft, then you know, you're, you're certainly not an, an, you know, an infant in trading mentality. And those are the guys that I feel like you, know, you and I, Aaron, we're looking for. We're looking to connect with more traders like that. I always feel kind of bad. Let me go off on a little tangent here. I always feel kind of bad when an absolute beginner comes to me for coaching. They're very eager. They say, you know, you, my buddy referred me to you. You say you're the best. I say, that's great, but maybe I'm not the best for you. Like maybe it's better for you to do the kind of legwork of getting what's available for free out there. Uh, I actually many times have referred in the last couple of weeks people to chat with traders saying this is, this is a killer resource for talking to traders and hearing what they have to say about what is my life manual? How can you learn from my experience and get further ahead today without spending seven years stuttering through the markets as I have? Um, I guess I should only say two and a half years really you know, stumbling through. Uh, I've, I've, done, I've done a little bit better in the last couple of years, so I, I can say that with a smile. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think about how, how often beginning traders are the ones most eager for education but also the ones least suited for it. And so it's that kind of counterintuitive where if only we could talk to the people who feel like they're in a rut, the people who are you know, crafting their, their next strategy, but want to go about this one better than the last one. Um, this is the people that I love, I love connecting with. And I, I honestly, I learn quite a bit from them too. Um, we were talking about this. Um, sorry, I keep pulling back to our conversations from other days, Aaron, but I feel like the, you know, any listener would want to hear this. We were talking about... Um, Watching LeBron James, let's say, uh, versus watching a collegiate athlete or, or an Olympian, even some some amateur level, you know, non let's say non uh, LeBron James level, it's a lot easier to learn from the developing athlete. 
when you know you're watching you can see when their footwork is off you can you can see when their balance or posture is slightly off um for a developing trader it's much the same thing the best traders make it look so easy and i think there's a certain humility and respect for what it's like to be at the beginning and intermediate stage of that that kind of that journey that spectrum um understanding that it is still a grind and a struggle and and why it is still a grind and a struggle and if i had to kind of answer that own little question in a, in a nutshell i'd say it's traders don't do a good job of using the technology in front of them and so that's been my kind of philosophical mandate how do i convince people whether it's on coding uh, or, or just if they're still going to be a hand trader, how can I make their workflow better? Um, that's where it will not only make you feel better, it'll make you trade better too. And uh, VWAP independent or, or related to VWAP, uh, that's something that I've, I've, I'm really proud of, of doing over the last two, two and a half, three years. So, Yeah, no, that's really good if you put that well. So um, just let's just make it really straightforward for the listeners so they, they can sort of picture how a VWAP line is actually plotted on a chart. Sure. Um, so so what is it that pretty much moves that line and plots it on the chart? No problem. So it, it looks just like a moving average. It acts just like a pivot. So I always tell people this, this is a positive transference of if you've learned support and resistance, you've done pivots, you've learned moving averages, you've seen moving averages, congratulations, you are pre-approved for learning volume-weighted average price because you've already got the requisite skills. Um, it is a slower moving average than people are typically used to. So a lot of people, when they first put a volume-weighted average price on an intraday chart, they say, ah, this thing is broken. It's not really following price. And I say, but that's the benefit. It is telling you an honest benchmark of average price throughout the day. Now, price's relationship to that and the, you know, some characteristics of the line itself are what we try and pay attention to as VWAP traders. But um, the simplest way to picture it is early in the morning, it's very responsive. In the middle of the day, it starts slowing down. Towards the end of the day, it'll slightly pick back up speed. And that's because of the nature of a volume profile of the day. You can all kind of picture this. I'm sure we've, we've all traded enough charts to see this and visualize this. The first 30 minutes and the last 30 minutes uh, of the trading session are typically the highest volume periods. And so because it's a volume weighted average price, you know, two things can impact this, right? We can separate VWAP into VW volume weighted. That's one way to impact it through the volume. And then average price through price. That's the second way to impact the VWAP. So if price moves exceptionally far away, many, many standard deviations from the volume-weighted average price, it will begin pulling the VWAP with it. Similarly, it doesn't have to be very far away at all, but if there's heavy volume being traded, then the volume-weighted average price will um, you know, rise to meet that, that new information. So I always tell people, if you've ever dreamed of what are the big boys using, because I mean, they're trading millions of shares, what could they possibly be using? Are they using an RSI? Are they using something? Um, what they're probably watching is something similar to this. They're, they're trying to understand how other large traders are interacting with this average price. Are they aggressively trading higher and higher away from it, more and more eager to put their money to work, even though we haven't pulled back to a safe point to launch the trade from? Kind of an aggressive market, let's call it. Or are they more hesitant, 
think of the Warren Buffetts on an even, you know, I'm kind of assuming Warren Buffett is an intraday trader, but if he were, he'd be trying to buy, I don't want to call it the bottom of the chart, but, you know, a fairly valued, let's just say, we'll leave it very general and vague, right? Fairly valued investments. He's looking for safer pullbacks where he can put his capital to work and not feel like he's chasing something. There are many strategies that you can trade around this. And, and I like that even if you weren't a strategy trader based on VWAP, let's say you had some other system that you like to trade, it's a great interpretive metric for how should I be biased about this day? And so that's another thing that I don't see enough traders doing. Um, you know, it's sort of like, um, what do I need to wear today? Well, what's the weather? Well, you're, you're not even asking if it's day or night. You know, you should ask that broad delineation of like, is this something I should be trading or not? You know what I'm kind of saying? Like traders don't do enough um, low level assessment. They want to jump right into, well, where should I enter? Where do I put my stop? How many shares should I trade? It's like, well, what about like, is this a market I want to trade? Does this meet broad criteria that even would put me into the right space? So I'll, I'll throw this out there and forgive me for the meandering, the tangentials and stuff. But um, this strategy directs people, you know, to better trading principles like trading high liquidity names, um, you know, mega cap securities, not to dish on anybody who can make money in small caps or mid caps. And I, and I mean that. I am not good enough of a trader to be trading small and mid caps. So that's why I'm not trading them. But the strategy inherently uh, leads you towards trading very liquid securities. Uh, I love trading the boring names that everybody else says, how are you trading JP Morgan today? That thing barely moved. Say, so, yeah, well, it moved 45 cents, you know, during this one part of the chart. That's really all I need. I need something that is boring and predictable, not chaotic, news driven. Uh, I always, uh, forgive me, when people say I trade stocks that are in play, I want to slap them in the face and be like, why are you, uh, you know, following along with where everyone else is when there are a million other opportunities? If this were a really dried up market where the only things that moved were things that had, you know, news on them. Okay. I understand, right? You're going, you know, you're a hunter. You're going where the prey is, so to speak. Um, we have thousands of equities at our disposal. There are patterns happening more than I can programmatically identify and capture and trade every day. I don't know how we, we aren't trying to trade uh, more of the reasonable stuff. And I think that goes back to like, it's designed to make us feel better than it could ever make us trade. I think that's bullshit. And it is high time that people like you and I started talking reasonably about it. Um, it's something we've all experienced. That's why I keep uh, promoting this, this concept is we all know this to be true. It's like if you've ever seen a, a, you know good comedians, um, Mitch Hedberg, Mitch Hedberg uh, George Carlin, both of whom have passed away, but um, you know, their style of, of comedy is, you know, don't you know it when, or haven't you ever experienced it when? And people typically laugh along because they say, yeah, you're right. You know, it does happen to me and my girlfriend. Or, oh yeah, it happened to me at work the other day. I definitely, I don't know. I, I have great respect for building a realistic plan rather than an idealistic plan. That's where you got to come down out of eagle mode and spend the other two thirds of your time in mouse and donkey mode, so to speak. Again, not a, not a really a glorified analogy to call yourself a donkey some days, but I think we all know what we're talking about. Um, Aaron, a good example of how you do that, you put in the time going through hundreds, if not thousands of daily level charts 
to stay abreast of when things, you know, especially those on your more selective watch list are coming into an important zone for you. Um, I mean, that's admirable. Most people don't ever get to donkey mode. They kind of fly around as an eagle, spend a minute as a mouse, and then never get to the donkey. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it's a it's a fool's errand, is what I'm saying. So, yeah, we'll put we'll put. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, who would you say benefits most from this indicator? Like, is it most effective for intraday traders? Um, or what about swing traders? Can they also take advantage of VWAP? So who would you say it's best suited to? Well, it's okay. You're hitting a, a good point there. It's definitely best suited for intraday uh, and equities traders. I've done uh, commodities and bond futures with it. Uh, I've done Forex futures actually with it. The reason we can't trade uh, currencies typically is the lack of centralized volume. So a volume weighted average price would be very difficult to create. Uh, on the futures markets, of course, where we have a volume that we can assess and create a VWAP for, um, it's amazing how closely those markets proxy the um, you know normal kind of VWAP trading you'd expect. So uh, again, to answer your question more directly, um, if you are a mid-cap, large-cap, mega-cap equities trader, if you're an intraday trader um, and you are a technical trader, First and foremost, I guess I should, I should really clarify. Um, it does have some applications to swing trading, but I got to be sensitive to that. That's not a strategy that I've developed or put in, you know, uh, put in practice nearly as much as I am an intraday trader. So I want people to recognize that the principles we learn, whether it's RSI or VWAP or Lunar Calendar or whatever, um, you know, some other system is what I'm trying to say. The markets are fractal. So what we learn on an intraday level will apply to a multi-day or a week-long, let's say, level. It will apply to a daily level or a weekly level, even bigger zoomed out. Uh, so it's something that can certainly apply to kind of you know all styles of trading, but definitely focused in on the intraday. Um, that's where it was developed. That's where we're going to see hundreds, uh, and I, I'm, I mean that hundreds, plural, more than I can handle. So that's why I'm trying to find other traders, uh, you know, to, to keep tabs on this. I think it's, it's fascinating that there are so many opportunities. You know, usually when you find a trading system, it's frustrating because, you know, the challenge is, well, how am I going to find this very particular setup? For me, it's like I, I'm trying to be an octopus and each of my octopus arms needs a little octopus at the end of it to manipulate all the things that I would need to be watching. Um, and this speaks to obviously how I, I grew into more of a systematic trader. I realized that my brain was never going to be good enough to deal with all this. Um, you know, I think very highly of myself and, I, and I'm still too stupid to manage all of this. So uh, yeah, intraday traders mostly. Um, I've definitely coached on the swing trading side with volume weighted average price, and it can certainly be applied to longer dated timeframes. I think the challenge is that um, and, and certainly people who are familiar with a volume weighted average price. And when Aaron was asking just a minute ago about visualizing it on a chart, um, that's something that I, I hope to have ample examples of, uh, ample examples while wow, I'm rhyming, um, tons of examples, there we go, on Sang Lucci's site uh, so that we can talk more about it and kind of add a visual um, you know, aspect to it. But you know, people will understand that uh, a VWAP moving slow, slower and slower throughout the day uh, up until the very last 30 minutes or so it's unfamiliar to most people. Why, you know, why isn't it following price more closely? Why am I not getting 15 signals per day? 
I always tell people because you only need two or three signals per day to actually determine the major moves in the markets. When you extrapolate that to like a week or multi-week or many weeks time frame, you can go weeks or months without interaction with a long-dated VWAP, and that frustrates a lot of traders. So I tend to shy away from uh, coaching on the swing trading side if I can avoid it, only because I know it's an inherently less kind of mentally rewarding approach. Um, it's also something that is easy to extrapolate what we've learned intraday to swing trading, but it's very hard to go the other way. Um, so to any guitarist out there, you'll appreciate this. I started playing guitar uh, and I learned on an acoustic and then, or I'm sorry, I learned on electric and then started playing acoustic shortly thereafter. And most people go that kind of normal transition of I started playing a little bit of a acoustic guitar and then I learned how to play electric. Um, I started a little too crazy and uh, thought I was going to be, you know, Van Halen and Jimi Hendrix and all this stuff. I needed to learn the basics. I needed to learn the fundamentals. Um, and I, I would encourage people to not make that same mistake where they try and jump in at the, the crazy level. Uh, start, at, start at the basics and um, you know, learn the history of volume-weighted average price. I know most people uh, you know, will not be disappointed with finding their own examples on the charts you know, the next day often uh, after I give them these studies. And that really excites traders too because they feel like they are actively participating, not in just a oh, well, I heard about the study, it sounds cool, you know, hey, here's an example, but wow, I have a new method for interpreting when something is likely to go higher, lower, or sideways. Okay, that, that's something I could definitely use, you know what I mean? It's not asking them to come too far out of their comfort zone um, and certainly giving traders what they want, so... Yeah, we might try and um, maybe get together a couple examples or just not really examples, but just um, maybe some I know screenshots and some visuals. Right, a depiction. And, it's so um, hard for people to act, like accurately visualize because they've never really thought about, well, what if it was kind of a variable equation throughout the day? You know, most things are just a simple or exponential moving average. It's kind of predictable. Um, so I appreciate that you're pushing me to, to describe it a little more for people who may be unfamiliar with it. I'll tell you, and I may be like, just bringing upon like a, a total overload of requests with this. I hope I am. This would be wonderful. But uh, if anyone is interested in taking a look uh, or having an early conversation, I should have mentioned this earlier in, in our conversation, Aaron, um, happy to uh, you know do a, a free 30 minute consult with them via Skype, uh, similar to how you and I met initially, Aaron, uh, in, introduced by Peter Zeng, of course. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, um, yeah, I mean, there you have it. So um, just drop a comment on the, in the show notes. So if you just mm -hmm. go to uh, chatwithtraders.com forward slash Zach, um, that'll mm -hmm. take you directly to the show notes page. And you can just scroll down the bottom and drop a comment there and um, with any questions you have and um, Zach will, Zach will um, take care of you. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I always tell people, um, I may sound very jaded or disillusioned, but I'm actually quite a personable person. I, I really love connecting with <laughs> traders. I mean, that is... You know, we talked about this, Aaron, um, the business is lonely and having a trading comrade, let alone a colleague or a trading coach is valuable. Um, I, I totally know that. I, I was speaking to a trader in Hong Kong recently um, who said, you know, look, man, I, I just I just need somebody to bounce an idea off of every now and then. And you seem like such a sharp guy. Could I sign up for a session here or there? I said, yes, that is what is exactly what I'm there for. Uh, wherever you are, are headed next in your you know progression um, learn from experience. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your hassle. Don't go it alone. 
Um, and yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you seem to have built an incredible community here, Aaron. And, and then, like I said earlier in the podcast, if you're listening to this, you're probably, you know, a leg up over the average trader. I don't think the average trader spends his time listening to, you know, other people go in this much detail. And, and I admire that. And I really respect that. And like I, like I said, go back in time and save young Zach Hurwitz. It's like a Terminator thing. Uh, <laughs> let's go back and start chat with traders, you know, 10 years ago and maybe, uh, Maybe I'll have a little more of my sanity left. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, was yeah. a, it was a great opportunity. Yeah, if you have any questions uh, beyond that, I don't mean to cut you off, man. I got I got plenty of time. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you guys ear yeah, off well, and turn into a four-hour podcast. <laughs> well, I've still got a bunch of notes here, and I'm I'm keen to work through them. If um if you don't need to to run away, no problem. Like you're saying, it's uh, it's evening time on a Sunday here, but I love Sundays because they are you know one day of respite before the insanity starts again. Um, so no, I'm happy to man. Uh, plug away, and then, then whenever you want to wrap up, I'm I'm good to go. So, awesome. Yeah. So um, I mean, I was going to add in before as well that um, we'll try and get maybe just like some screenshots and visuals that we can put in the show notes anyway, um, yeah. so that people can sort of visualize and might sort of get you to put a couple notes with them and that sort of thing. But um, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, if someone is listening and and interested in learning more about VWAP, like, is there any Where's the best place to sort of get like some sort of free info to sort of um, sure. start sure. the ball rolling, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, if anyone's interested in talking to me, obviously I'm happy to give a free half hour consult. But I, I totally understand what you're asking, which is like, let's say they're just wanting to learn. They want to watch a YouTube video or something. Exactly. About it. Yeah. Um, so first of all, this has actually challenged me to get a better uh, VWAP video out there. I actually just two, two nights ago, I was watching... Uh, someone else, I won't name them because I'm going to talk a little smack about them, but they were talking for about 45 minutes about volume weighted average price. I feel like they covered like two or three key topics. I was just really surprised that they took as long as they did to not really communicate very much. I don't know how much good free VWAP education is out there, but I think that's also because people understand it at a basic level, meaning they understand it is a benchmark for execution, meaning they understand the kind of historical context of VWAP. Not many people are using it every day to trade. So I think that's the level two kind of application um, that my, many traders really aren't going to be eager to share. Um, I think Brian Shannon, I, I will give him a shout out because, I mean, he is excellent. I don't know how much free education he has on there, but alphatrends.net, uh, I believe, is a great resource. And he's a wonderful educator and a nice guy. Uh, so can't speak highly enough about him. Uh, obviously on Sangalucci's website, sangalucci.com, uh, I will be writing as well as some of the other guys, uh, about this topic in particular. So we'll, we'll try and have some free resources there for people. Um, the hardest part about this is that in the last five years, I think people are starting to awaken to, uh, this being a potential strategy, but many people aren't even sure where to begin with it. I think they're, they're treating it like um, they're treating it like it's every other tool they've ever encountered, meaning they're pretending it's another moving average or it's a special type of moving average or they should put it on their charts with other moving averages. I tell people this is the broad framework that tells you where the market's about to head. You want to make this as minimalistic uh, you know, on your charts as possible. You want to put only the important lines on there. We're not trying to carpet bomb a range with support and resistance or, you know, a million moving averages, because it's just, it's unrealistic. Why would you, why would you possibly think you're going to get, you know, clear trading signals off that? Um, 
So that's where, you know, the, the consult comes in. I'm happy to get people set up. Um, you know, the platform that I still do actually a lot of my charting on, believe it or not, is Thinkorswim, uh, TD Ameritrade. And uh, though I am not a shill nor a referrer for Thinkorswim, I probably should be at this point because I've used their platform for seven years and I like them a lot. But um, now they're wonderful. They, they uh, you know, even on the paper trading, the, the free demo platform, uh, that'd be a great way for people to have access to volume weighted average price on their charts for absolutely zero dollars. So uh, I'll tell you guys, anybody who sends up or signs up for a paper money account, please do reach out to me because if you've gone to that much trouble where you say, look, man, I'll install the software. I'll go find this study. I'll take a look at this. Um, you are like, like I said, you know, putting yourself a leg above the other traders. And those are the people I want to be talking to. I, I want the traders who are putting in the time and feeling like they're not getting enough out of it. Um, I know that feeling well. I still feel that sometimes. I think we all do. Um, but then we say, no, this is my time to be the donkey. I got to bear the burden. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. I appreciate you sort of offering that to the listeners. That's no really problem. good. Well, I know you have like thousands of podcast listeners. So like, as I'm talking about this, I'm like, what have I just done? I've just offered free consults to like 2000 traders each week. Jesus Christ, what am I going to do? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sincere though. I mean, look, I'll make you guys a deal. If you're listening to this podcast, you, if you guys be flexible with me on the scheduling, I will find a way to get in touch with you. I am that committed to dealing with traders. I feel like, you know, we've all been there where it's like, oh yeah, I'm a trader. And somebody looks at you askew. They don't even know how to talk to you. How do I mean, they don't know day trading. They don't know financial markets. They kind of look at you as like we were saying before that old 1990s heyday, you know, cocaine cowboy going to make a ton of money and, you know, uh, screw someone over in the process. I don't think they realize what job we actually have. And I think talking to another trader who gets it, um, you know, another little anecdote we we're, you know, Aaron, you and I were talking about uh, working with younger traders versus working with older traders. Uh, I was talking to a 19 year old trader who I offered, you know, for our first session, let's do the coaching session with either your father or mother on the phone. He was like, oh, no, that'd be awful. I say, no, no, no. Trust me. I know. I know. It sounds like the worst thing in the world, but it's important to not only have respect for how your family will factor in specifically being a young trader, kind of being backed by your parents in this one context. But, um, you know, you, you want them to appreciate how much work is going in on your end, that they don't think that you're just sitting there playing basically a grown ups video game all day. This is the highest level of intellectual challenge that many of us have ever or will ever encounter. It's worth putting in that same effort and therefore, you know, engendering that same kind of respect. Um, I always tell people if, you know, if he was, you know, this trader was going to get his master's degree, uh, would anybody in his life doubt him or tell him he's screwing up? Like, probably not. You know what I mean? But that's a master's degree. And I think we all know, especially in the last five years, that that is not the guarantee uh, that we, it may have once been, let's say, for, for, you know, future prospects. It's just as much of a risk in a way. Um, let, me, let me take that back. It, it is a... It is a comparable risk reward, meaning there is an, an emphasis on commitment um, and, you know, time, not only time, but effort, you know, wise. Uh, I think a lot of people underestimate what goes into creating the best traders out there. And I think a lot of people feel like, you know, well, if I was born with a million dollars or if only I, you know, played the cross with somebody who was a quantitative finance major. I'm kidding. But um, that's not the way any of this goes. None of the best traders have stories like that. I think those stories, again, are made 
because they make us feel better than they make us trade. Are you noticing a common theme throughout this conversation, Aaron? Uh, it's all about, you know, the world around us is not designed to make us better traders. It's designed to make us feel better. It's the placebo effect happening over and over and over again. And whether in the jargon, I'm going to write about this this week, the jargon that finance uh, as an industry uses, you ever notice that they're not stocks anymore? They're equities because equities sound safe. Stocks go up and down. You can pick a stock. It goes up, it goes down, it goes sideways. Who knows? It went out of business, you know, but an equity sounds strong and robust and long-term and it's ridiculous because they're literally the same thing, right? Um, you know, I'm not an options trader. I'm a derivatives trader. Oh, a derivatives trader. You must be doing algorithms. And truthfully, you're just clicking buttons just the same as every other schmo out there, right? You don't know your Greeks from, you know, from Greek food, let's say. Uh, but, you know, you want to tell people you're a derivatives trader. The verbiage that we use is very, and this is, goes back, of course, to my English background, having a great appreciation for the words that people use, why and how and when they use them, as well as the intonation. And I know that sounds like a, such a small point. Now we're getting into the more of the drama stuff, but um, you can learn so much from people if only you pay attention. And most traders don't pay attention. They don't, they don't pay attention to themselves. They don't pay attention to other traders. They don't pay attention to the markets. Uh, so, you know, what can I say? It's it's an it's an incredibly lonely and difficult business, and uh, I always feel like it's it's grim to realize that about seventy five percent of traders every year kind of go away. You know what I mean? There's immense turnover in this business, and so that's something that you and I could learn from, and uh, and your other young listeners, Aaron, um, especially if you've made it an hour and fifteen minutes into my rants and raves. Seriously, um, it's it's not being a young hotshot that impresses anybody. It's being a calm, even-keeled, measured veteran of the markets. The guys that I respect the most have been around and have not been fired, have not blown up too many accounts. I mean, they've probably blown up one or two along the way, but you know what I mean. They're the guys who don't make a giant name for themselves. They just silently accrue money. And I want you to realize, you, the listener out there who has a dream of making $1,000 a day Driving a Veyron, you know, everybody wants a Bugatti. Why not, right? Uh, just give up. Literally give up on your dreams. Stop that right now. Because, and I'm stealing from my Sanglucci posts earlier this week, but seriously, the sooner you give up on those unrealistic dreams, the sooner you'll start building realistic dreams. And you'll start achieving them because the bar is set a little lower because you come back to reality. Away from whatever perception it was that motivated you initially to get into the business. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how else to say it other than it's that's that's not a popular thing to tell people, as you may imagine. But I pride myself on being the guy who will say the stuff that everyone else is terrified of saying. Um, here's a good kind of impact quote for you. You can definitely put this in your quotes. You know, we all know this business is dominated by dinosaurs. I'm the fucking comet. Like I want to be the thing that wipes the landscape clean and starts anew. That sounds very apocalyptic and, and terrifying, but you know what I'm saying about being radical. You want to do things differently. You want to shake it up because uh, I think this is not a groundbreaking statement, but um, this, this business is, is feeling a little heavy in some ways. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of people who aren't doing this right and, and should be. And I want to help. I want to teach traders how to, how to swim. You know what I mean? I want to teach them how to rise with the tide instead of drown alongside it. So 
Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's really cool. So just just one more question on uh, VWAP and then we'll, we'll keep yeah. it moving. But um, do you rely solely on VWAP or are there um, other things that influence your trade such as, you know, certain uh, technical levels or even, you know, news releases? Do they have any factor on your decision-making? Well, fortunately, um, based on the way that volume weighted average price works, I always tell people whenever a news event hits, I'm going to see the reaction on the charts. I know this is the kind of it goes back and forth between news based traders and technical traders at each side swearing that they've got a leg up on the other. Right. Like, well, if I can synthesize news reports faster than these guys can deal with the charts, I'm going to be better informed and know exactly how to trade by the time that these guys even read the news report. Well, yeah, same to that guy. I'm going to be already in the trade for three minutes while he's still trying to figure out what he should do. Uh, meanwhile, the market's ramping and I, I, don't, I don't care what the news was. I mean, people are excited about it. I will trade it in that direction until my thesis is invalidated. And I think that's where, uh, okay, so you asked the question about you know, other indicators. Um, this is part of the reason why I'm work, working closely with Sanglucci. I think they brought me in because Lucci is an absolute beast about telling you when to enter the trade. He knows the minutia and the timing and the market microstructure um, to know exactly when is optimal to enter the trade. Position-wise, kind of the where on a trade, should, or where, excuse me, where on a chart should I be trading this? That's what I specialize in. So brought, and, and this is what has freed my mind um, in the last you know, four years with volume weighted average price, when I stopped worrying about where to get into the trade, I started worrying about just identifying if it's going to go higher or lower. And people may say, well, that's no good. If you can't get into the trade, then who cares? Yeah, but what if you knew it was going higher? Would you really care where you entered the trade? I mean, if you really knew that it was probably 80% or 90% odds to go higher, why are you so worried about where to get in? participate with maybe half your intended size right now. Get in the trade. If it's that compelling of an opportunity, you don't need to be that right. You don't need to be the guy trading it at the bottom. You don't need to be the guy exiting at the top. What you need to be is the guy who recognizes how much money is made in between those two entry points or entry and exit points, I should say. Right? I mean, it's one thing to look back and go, well, if I had realized that was the bottom and then I realized that was the top, you know, I could have made a, a dollar and a half on this security. Well, that's great, but what about in the moment? Can you still capture 75 cents? Because if you could and, and you know, you're doing it at 20% of the effort or co- you know, mental capacity required, um, you've definitely got the leg up on the trader trying to get the bottoms and tops. So, sorry, that was a meandering answer to your indicator question. I have found some success uh, with things like the RSI, but on what I would call non-traditional settings. So without sounding like this is a particular recommendation, I'll keep it really broad so people don't feel like I'm misleading them if this ends up not working. Um, A shorter term RSI, let's just say. Uh, And the reason I say shorter term, meaning typically it's a 14 period RSI setting, the shorter, uh, the more responsive uh, an indicator will get. I'm sure people have conceptualized this before. It's kind of a spectrum. Um, the analogy I've used is like uh, when you're sharpening a knife. If it's really robust steel, it won't rust, it won't break, it's very strong, but it won't hold an edge very nicely. Versus if it's like a cooking knife where it's very fine, very delicate, very sharp, but not very strong. So similarly, it's like we're trading off um, responsiveness for credibility 
in indicator settings. And so I'm encouraging, you know, the RSI is a typically good confirming tool. Perhaps examining it on a shorter time frame may be valuable um, to balance out a bit of that. We need maybe a little more responsiveness. Maybe we need a little more. Um, but I'll tell you, I'm not an indicator guy. That is not where my heart lies or where I, I put most of my focus. That's, you know, I would only use that for our confirmation. When I've already identified a likely trade setup and know pretty much everything else about the trade, I'm just looking for when and, you know, where am I really um, down to the, you know, split second? When am I looking for that entry? Does that address, I think, what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. So, um just sort of moving along a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit more on the coding and the systematic sort of approach that we sort mm-hmm. of touched on earlier. So, sure. um, I mean, so you've sort of transitioned from sort of being a hand trader or um, what do you call it? Sort of like discretionary yeah. qualitative yeah. trader. Yeah, um, a bad trader. Kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to now sort of actually coding systems and almost at the stage where you've got your trades running on autopilot. So, Yep. What were some of the, the key benefits that you saw and the motives that got you heading in this direction? Okay, so, and what a great question, by the way. Uh, I think for me once, and this is a comment from Dave, the quant trader who I met many years ago, um, you know, he'd say, what good is this if it doesn't apply to everything in the market the same way and yield positive expectancy? I mean, who cares? You're, you're basically just finding an artifact you know, some one random occurrence that may lead you to think you're onto something, but unless you can apply it to a hundred stocks or a thousand stocks and show that it has broad potential, it's not worth your time. Because once you start applying this to, you know, more than a few stocks or more than one stock at a time, you start realizing like, yeah, I don't want to waste my time on something that doesn't apply, uh, you know, to many securities. I don't want to, I don't want to build a trading system that doesn't give me enough signals uh, I don't want to build a trading system that is overly particular. I mean, all these challenges of, you can kind of think of it like uh, we were talking about the, the analytics program that I used last night, uh, Aaron, and we were talking about a dartboard. When you start, you're just trying to throw the dart at the dartboard and get it to hit somewhere on the dartboard. It doesn't even need to be like, you know, be a good throw. It's just not hitting the wall. So that's like starting from 18,000 equities and saying, I want things where this moving average is above this moving average. And we filter that down to, okay, 10,000 stocks meet that criteria. And then we say, well, I want the moving averages to also be this far apart, at least. And we just filter it down and, okay, there's 3,000 equities that meet that criteria. And we filter it down further and further. And that's the bulls, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the dartboard bullseye with each throw until we really can nail down, um, you know, for anyone who's a scientist, you probably... You probably uh, you know yell at me for trying to talk about uh, type one and type two error as a non scientist, but in my own little interpretation, I mean it's easy to think about like type one error is where you're getting signals that you shouldn't uh, because or I'm sorry, type one error is like you know you're you're receiving signals um, that aren't actually I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting this backwards. What is it? Type one error is where you get signals that you shouldn't be getting because, okay, and then type two error is where you're receiving false negatives, right? False positives and false negatives, roughly. Um, Where you get signals that should not be signals versus type two error, where you are missing signals that should be identified, but are not. There we go. My brain was struggling there for a second. But um, you have to balance between not being, uh, you know, not capturing everything, knowing that some are going to get away, 
but also not being so open-minded that you identify a lot of things that aren't actually your trading opportunity, um, that you misidentify and say, oh yeah, go ahead, let it into the system. Um, it's a constant struggle. Uh, it's kind of like running on a knife edge, so to speak. There's just a very fine line of profitability versus falling to one side or the other and either being too broad or too restrictive um, you know, to where the system fails. And I think that higher level of scrutiny has challenged me to evaluate my trading systems on, on that same level. So rather than, hey, is this something I've made money on in the past? Is this something that I expect to make money on in the future? And that distinction, like the way I just asked that question to myself or, you know, you, your listeners or you, Aaron, would ask yourself this question. Um, that was a change in mental approach because I used to think, oh, well, who cares? You know, I made $6,000 in the last month with this approach. Well, that's great. But, you know, how random is that? How expected is that? I mean, were you trading abnormal size? Are you, I mean, there's so many other things that, that factor into profitability I didn't have a very sophisticated or like mature, um, you know, view of profitability. I thought about it very simplistically, and uh, now I know I'm just meandering here. But other other little thing worth bringing up: most people think about profitability as a function of risk reward, and anybody who knows probabilistic determination would be like um, risk reward times probability of outcomes, like how likely is your risk, how likely is your reward. Um, otherwise, you're assuming literally it's just a coin flip. Oh, well, it's three to one risk reward. I expect to make three for every one that I lose. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite that simple. And also, what's your position sizing and how do you manage stops? And do you do partial exits or do you do all in, all out? There's so many different ways to look at it. Um, similar to how an options trader would look back at equities and say, man, it was such a linear environment. You know, things either went up or down. In options, there's non-linearity and so many more dimensions. But it, it, you know, it's exponentially more complicated. Let's say than just uh, adding one new dimension, or, or you know, it's not just a little more complicated. It, it you know, dramatically overcomplicates uh, things when you move to systematic trading. And, and that's something that I, I did not expect. I did not look forward to, I guess. But um, I have grown accustomed to it and realized that that higher level of scrutiny is a good thing. That we need to ask ourselves every time we want to put a trade on, is this a trade that I will be taking tomorrow when it sets up? Is this the kind of trade that I would have taken six months ago? Um, you know, you want some consistency in your approach. And that's where I've moved towards trying to programmatically identify these intraday trades it's so much easier than just visually assessing on a chart. Uh, and even though I'm very good, you know, at this point, having done it for four years uh, with these patterns, there's there's nothing that will ever be, you know, until they make uh, Jarvis, the like AI computer from Iron Man, where I can talk to it and say, you know, Jarvis, show me all stocks trading above their 200-day moving average. And it'll be like, computing right now, Mr. Hurwitz. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to make a better... Uh, tool for us than what we've got in front of us, which is the coding language where we can, um, you know, dream in plain English, right? Where you write out the the kind of broad logic. And Aaron, you and I have done this. We write out kind of the broad logic for the system, and then uh, you know, it's your job or a developer's job. You can hire you know an outside developer or a friend of yours, let's say, who's who's a good coder, uh, or or someone like myself, you know who can take that plain English and turn it into what I'd call pseudocode or like, like we're saying soft code. 
Um, and then eventually, if it's successful enough, and you know, here's that great word, deploy. If we're looking to deploy it uh, at an automated level, you know, that's when you get into hard coding. Uh, but that that's a, that's a wonderful problem to have when you're worried about you know market impact and scalability and a lot of things that Peter was talking about last week. I remember on the podcast. So yeah, now that's that's really cool. Bringing that back to sort of people who definitely aren't at that level yet, but mm-hmm. sort of aspire to to get into that coding sort of field. I mean, trading can often seem like a daunting task just on its own, mm-hmm. but now you're sort of adding another layer on top of that with coding and developing and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, how clued up do you have to be before you even start dabbling in this area? Um, I, I guess the question is, is it a realistic goal for retail traders to work their way towards this? Okay, that's a, another really good question. So I'll throw, here's a good free resource that I should throw out there to people. Um, I know we've talked about it before. Finviz.com, that's F-I-N-V-I-Z.com. They are a wonderful starting point, especially at the kind of free or retail level for people to start thinking about. And, and I know anyone who's familiar with the site is like, what are you talking about, Zach? Those guys aren't coding. What they are is systematic kind of identification. Select a few criteria and then show me the stocks that meet that criteria. It's very user-friendly, very engaging, very easy. Um, I want people to start there because once they create, let's say, a basic scan that they like what the output is. Oh, wow, look at all these chart patterns. Look at all these channels, right? This is what I'm really looking for. Upsloping channels that are above their moving average and are part of the S&P 500. I'm making this up. But let's say that's your scan. What most traders don't realize is they've pretty much just done all of the basic coding they need to do to look for their first system. Now, obviously, we're still assuming they're a hand trader. We're not expecting them to like begin coding anything. We're just expecting them to start logically. So separate, you know, and when we say coding, guys, separate logic from syntax. The logic is the stuff that I don't care if you've never looked at a line of computer code before. You could probably create. Like, okay, stock must be uptrending. Stock must be above its moving average. Stock must be breaking out of new highs. Whatever these logical conditions are. And then let people like me figure out the syntax to get them into the actual coding language, right? But starting at something like Finviz for scanning, I think that's how the average you know, beginning or intermediate trader would probably start with coding. Uh, second resource would definitely be Thinkorswim. They have built one of, if not the best, uh, beginner's coding languages. I would not have been close to ready for some of the more big boy tools that I'm using now had I not started in Thinkorswim. They have a very engaging, easy to read manual. Um, they have, you know, am- I was going to say ample examples again, uh, an ample number of examples, right? They have uh, a great trading coding community as well. So, you know, that that's a little more intermediate, but still kind of somewhat beginner level. Uh, and then start talking to other coders. That's the other thing. Uh, they will, much in the same way I'm trying to relate all of my VWAP and trading psychology and coaching experience in an hour or so, um, reaching out to other systematic or very code literate traders who you may know or be able to come in contact with. It's very easy to say, hey man, you know, sum it all up for me. What are, what are the kind of things I need to start thinking about? And if you were a... Um, I'm going to go into code for a second here, guys. Hold on. Uh, Batten down the hatches. Zach is talking about code. But Aaron, I think we even talked about this. There are input statements, things that the user can change. There are def 
statements define statements where you're kind of like defining a variable that's used in the calculation. And then plot, which is what do you actually want me to put on the charts? Now, granted, this is all in thinkorswim code language, but it's simply to show that those three things, inputs, define statements, and then plot statements. That's pretty much coding right there. And if a you know former English major turned econ major, never done any coding in his life, can teach himself how to code and evolve into a systematic trader, I promise you there are people out there way smarter than me who are listening to this who have doubted themselves. You know who you are. I'm talking to you right now. I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but you know what I'm saying? Like the people out there who are listening who say, yeah, I probably probably could do a little bit of coding. It doesn't seem that hard. And I could read a manual and I'm a smart guy. You, you probably are. You're probably exactly the right guy to start coding. And especially in the last five years, we've had such a great democratization towards the trading utilities that are at our disposal. It would be absolutely backwards to not exploit this, especially right now when it is so, um, so right at our fingertips. I mean, it's a free download. You know what I mean? If it were uh, 10 years ago, you'd have to know MATLAB. You'd have to know uh, an actual hard coding language to, act, to, to ever begin. So the uh, barrier to entry, the kind of learning curve would be ever steeper. Yes, five years from now, it'll probably be even easier. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Guys like Aaron and I are going to be taking your money at that point. So you better get started soon. I'm just kidding. But like, seriously, guys, and I'm, I'm speaking away from Aaron for a second. When I first met Aaron, I, I mean this. I said to myself, damn, kids these days, because he's a couple years younger than I. But like you can tell immediately, he's a hardworking self-starter. He's going to go far in the business. You, you will probably, you who are out there listening to this podcast, an hour and a half, gosh, long. Uh, if you're listening and, and this resonates with you, you know, guys like Aaron and I will be coming for you in a couple of years. It's best to get a head start on us and start learning systematic trading whenever and wherever possible. And uh, that's that's what tra- Chat with Traders is kind of all about. When you want to advance yourself and you don't know an expert trader, how are you ever going to have access to them? Uh, this is the kind of public service that you're doing, Aaron. So I applaud you for that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Now that's that's really good. So. Those uh, those few things uh, resources you mentioned there, I'll um, mm-hmm. I'll put links to those in the show notes so so um, listeners can definitely check those out and uh, get amongst it if it's something that they're interested in. Yeah, um, of course. And, and please, I encourage people to reach out to me. Sorry, I'm cutting you off, Aaron. Just so people know, don't feel like I'm um, up in my ivory tower. Uh, I'll I'll give my email address, and uh, obviously, if you guys have any questions, you can always reach out to Aaron. He'll put you in touch with me. Uh, so long as I haven't like uh, you know inundated you with uh, requests, right? You're going to get a thousand people to try and sign up for a thirty minute coaching session with me. I'm going to be swamped. The more, the better. <laughs> I know, all the better, right? Yeah, no. yeah. I would I would love that. I think that would speak to how many people are out there who are eager versus um, you know just expecting that it's going to fall in their lap. Those guys are going to, you know, screw up and blow up an account anyway. Let them go off and do their own thing. Those of us who are putting in the time on a Sunday night or Monday morning, whatever it is you're listening to this podcast, you're in, you're in good company. That's what I would leave you with. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I, I think that's what people need to realize is that they're not so far from their dreams. They're actually a lot closer um, in some cases than, you know. So. Yeah. That's, Sorry, that's, go ahead. You were going to say something. No, that's really good, Zach. So, um we should probably sort of start wrapping this up, but um, before we yeah, do that, yeah. um, I'm just going to run quickly over my notes here to see if I've missed oh. anything that's I was um, super keen to ask you. 
Um, yeah, one, one thing I want to hit you up about, and that is what do you think separates the traders who succeed and the traders who fail? Um, or maybe the, the traders who are just constantly treading water and, and yeah. never break through. Is there a common trait that you see, um, especially with your, co- um, your coaching background? Sure. Sure. I, I mentioned this in the uh, Sang Lushi TV interview that I did. And so I'm sorry, I'm like quoting myself, but I, I realized like this is what traders need to hear is that most traders, uh, certainly risk management. I mean, that's, but that's obvious. Like that is not a groundbreaking assessment of traders, right? And why they fail. Um, it's the absence of mastery of one subject. And what I mean by that is not like, oh, they're a great Elliott Wave trader or, oh, they're a great so-and-so style trader. And that's just what they do. And they've found success because that's very hard to imagine when you're a beginning trader. Well, how do I even know what I need to go master? But that speaks to why the trader experience is the way it is. Not knowing what to master, they jump around from thing to thing to thing. And whether it's system to system or indicator to indicator or options to Forex to futures to, and I'm guilty of this too. Early on, I bounced around between options and equities and futures. I've never traded Forex, thank goodness. Uh, But you know, I, I, I did the same thing and I realized I wasn't learning enough about any of them to become competent. I was only becoming confident and that's dangerous because you need competence before you gain confidence. It's easy to teach someone, Hey man, you're a better trader than you realize, you know, look at the evidence. It's very hard to teach people to be humble and kind of respect that they need to build uh, more skill in an area. So I always advocate to people, Whatever it is that you are passionate about or resonates with you or you have had success with, drive it into the ground with investigation. Find out everything you can. Talk to the experts. Read the white papers. Learn everything you can about that subject. Once you've mastered that, if you're still hungry for more, my God, there's a million other trading styles that you can learn to incorporate and take something from. It's the people who are constantly looking for the easy solution. Well, what should I trade? I mean, just tell me what I should trade. Where should I be? You know, it's never going to work. Nothing is ever going to come from that because the people who are eager to tell you, oh yeah, you're just looking for something right now. I'll give you that quick fix. They're not your buddy. They're there to, here we go. Um, You know, the, the same old quote, right? They're there to make you feel better than they could ever make you trade. And, and I hope that people are hearing that and feeling it when I say it, because like, you know, those kind of quotes to me, they really, they stick with me too. Um, this is, a, I don't want to say predatory business, but it's something that you must be cognizant of, that especially as a developing trader, you're like a baby duckling, uh, you know, and there's there's hawks out there looking for, for a little snack. Um, it's very easy for people to convince you, oh, you got to go with, you got to go with this. You got to go with this. You got to try my method. You got to try my method. You got to go with uh, the people who are the most real, right? The most earnest honest individuals out there. The people who are going to give you access to them, to talk to them whenever you have a question. I always tell people that psychology does not work on a nine to five schedule. It works on a five to nine kind of schedule. You know what I mean? Like it was your psychology is what happens all of the off hours. I mean, it certainly happens during the on hours too, but it's the, um, what trading does to you when you aren't in front of your screen. And people don't do enough examination of that. So I've kind of condensed this approach. It's not only a bit of mastery of one subject, the traders who master one thing get better at mastering any subject. But also they recognize that psychology is just one more subject. It stops being this um, white whale of, you know, what I'm after all along. If I just master my psychology, eventually it becomes, oh, well, 
I learned how to trade VWAP. I, I learned how to be disciplined with VWAP. I could be disciplined with myself. I could learn myself. I could, you know, I could do this too. And so it's a confidence building exercise as well as it is organically the right approach to take um, that you aren't going to retain a little bit about options and a little bit about Forex and a little bit about this style of trading, a little bit about day trading, a little bit about, that just doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, you don't want to be a jack of all trades, master of none. You know, it's just, it's a stupid approach. And I swear to you, when you're explaining, here, okay, here's the, here's the thing that should connect with traders out there who have had to explain to someone, yeah, I'm a trader. And they say, oh, what kind of trading you do? And you say, well, I do a little RSI trading. I do a little support and resistance trading. I also trade some chart patterns. I also trade point and figure and I trade Elliott Wave and I trade. You sound like an idiot. You know what I mean? Like any real trader is going to be like, what, what, which of those do you actually trade? Do you trade all of those? Do you trade none of those? Do you know what you're talking about? You want to be able to say competently, um, well, most recently, you know, for the last eight months, I've been focused on, uh, you know, doing analytics on options volatility, comparing implied to historical. And I've adapted a system that I've developed with the uh, Black-Scholes model. of It's just like, whoa, whoa, that guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. So not only from a perception or like interpersonal standpoint, but also like, don't you actually want to have that expertise such that you can say, I have dived, at, you know, I've dove as deep as the pool will go. And I've come back up for air. Now maybe I'm going to go explore another ocean. Maybe you know before I jump into the Mariana Trench of whatever trading systems, or maybe that's coding is kind of like the deepest, darkest recesses of the ocean. Uh, you know what I mean? You got to you got to really prep yourself for that. But um, who knows? I, I haven't come up for air since. So what can I say? <laughs> no, that's that's really true. So so thanks for for breaking that down, Zach. No um, so let's just run into the, the closing bill, which is just a few short mm-hmm. questions to take us out. And sure. um, these are totally generic. So I ask them to- My favorite color, what I want to be when I grow up, favorite type of pasta. Right? Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. No. All right, go for it. I'm all ears. <laughs> yeah. So um, the first one would be, what is one piece of trading advice that has stuck with you ever since you initially read it or perhaps heard it? Okay, I'm going to try and say it in the same accent that it was said to me. It was by Ben Lichtenstein, who, uh, what's the company called? I think it's like MarketCast or like Traders Audio. They're the guys who run the S&P pit feed. And he says this pretty much at the end of all of his you know trading squawk sessions. He says, if you want to be here for the good days, you got to be here for all the days. And what he means is like, you have no fucking idea what the best days are going to be. You have to show up every day and apply the same level of intensity and focus because the minute you look away, the minute you look away, it's going to be a good day. You're not going to capitalize on it. You have no idea when the next one's coming. And that is what builds that kind of negative, reinforcing, shitty self-psychology that I was talking about before. Of course I slept in today. Of course it's going to be the one day the spy moves. I had all my puts on, you know, it's like that, that negative poison that we spew to ourselves. It's unfair. And it was totally random, but because we don't follow through with kind of having a healthy respect for, um, I took, uh, here's one more class that did help me at Tufts. I should have mentioned this, um, introduction to, uh, Socratic philosophy, looking at Socrates who, you know, kind of paraphrasing really brilliant man, but he said, you know, the one thing I know for sure, for certain, the one thing I really do know is that I don't know everything. I can't ever know everything. That is my one absolute is that I'm not the man. I'm not a genius. I'm just another man. 
and I'm another human on this planet. And kind of healthy, uh, you know, hum- humility, right? A very, a very honest human, humanistic approach of like, I am but one man in a group of men. And realizing that, um, that's, that's really powerful to me. I stopped trying to swing for the fences and realized that if I just made a few hundred dollars a day, I'd probably end the week really positive and be happier and healthier and more balanced. I did that for a week, went well, I'm going to try that next week. And then here we are now, four years down the road, and I've never stopped. Um, I would not, I don't think I'd, I think I would psychologically self, you know, collapse. I would just like fall apart if I had to trade the way that I had traded for the first two years, um, for the next, you know, four or five. It takes too much, uh, not only time, but effort and energy and, and psychologically, like, it just, I, I would be balding. I would be like Kenny and Lucci, right? We joked about this. They've got shaved heads, you know, losing their hair. Uh, guys like me, same sort of thing. I probably would be ripping clumps of my hair out. I'd be balding by now. Um, so yeah, so there you go. If you want to be here for the good days, you got to be here for all the days. You have to, you have to treat every day as an opportunity with the same respect and humility um, rather than dynamically sizing, well, today's the big day and I'm going to go, you know, who cares? Are you, who, who even knows if you're right? I don't know, and the market will tell you if you're correct or not. Yeah, no, those are, those are two really great, great uh, quotes. So really cool. Um, is there one book that you believe is a solid read for any new to intermediate trader? I have two. Uh, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. I love that book. Edwin Lefebvre. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but that's my attempt at a French accent. Lefebvre, Lefebvre, I don't know how to, whatever. Um, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator is the uh, fictional-ish account of Jesse Livermore, one of the best traders to ever live. Um, anyone who knows the story of Jeff- Jesse Livermore knows why I put emphasis on that, the greatest trader to ever live. Um, anyway, he it was a fascinating story and the parallels ring true in 1908, 2008, 1808, doesn't matter what year. Um, he's talking about human psychology. And there's so many good anecdotes from that book. I know that's a, an oft quoted and like, you know, people will refer back to it, but I love it too. It's one of the few books that I've read um, in the trading space. And, and by design, I didn't want to kind of um, impact my own view of the markets by having 16 other books that had kind of designed my course for me. I wanted to meander. I wanted to build it kind of my own way. Um, and partially, I think that's what Livermore's story is about, is building a visceral or qualitative connection with the markets, as well as having a quantitative appreciation or understanding of them. And then the second book um, would be anything uh, by Jack Schwager, anything in the Market Wizard series. And the reason I suggest that is it is so easy and fun to read. Oh, my God, I can never put those books down. They're interviews with traders. I mean, do you want to hear about the best people? Where are we right now? We're on chat with traders. If you're interested in this type of stuff, um, over the last 20 years, Jack Schrager's interviewed some of the best. I actually have hedge fund market wizards um, that I'm you know, two-thirds of the way through right now, which is a wonderful read. And it's a little more modern, um, not to say that the old ones are archaic. I think the oldest one is like 1992, I want to say, 93. So uh, a little bit dated in some of the references, but I think it's also... Um, it's almost like reading a like a Dan Brown novel or like a Michael Crichton novel, you know, those airport bestseller type books. You know, it's like it's that level of I could just sit here and just churn through these pages, you know, and, and but it, that's not doing it justice because it's obviously I think a higher depth of read than Michael Crichton or something. But um, it really it, it, it resonates with me that strongly. 
that you get to hear in their own words with their own anecdotes. And uh, Jack Schrager does a tremendous job talking about the context surrounding the person. He does a lot of research on them and, and tells you, you know, more than you'd expect to get. You expect it's just interview questions. But he's like, look, when I met with them at their offices, offices looked like this. Can you picture, you know, being on the side of a cliff with blah, blah, blah. I'm making this up again. But uh, he really sets the context or sets the scene particularly well. He's a great author and the interviews are incredible. Um, and the fact that it's vignettes, you know, it's not one book of this guy's story. It's 70, you know, market masters over two decades, you know, so... Uh, clearly I'm also repping chat with traders too. Like, uh, you, you know, I, I'm serious. I'm serious. I didn't even realize, like I was looking at the book and I was like, wait a minute, like what's a modern version of this? Like, it's exactly what we're doing right here. And, and I mean this man, uh, I told you before we hopped on the podcast, but I really, I admire you too. And, uh, tremendous respect for, for what you're doing, uh, altruistically for other traders too. Thank you. you know? Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah. yeah, those, those books are the real deal. Um, I'm actually trying to convince Jack Schwager to come on the podcast. Oh my um, God. So, I'll yeah. send you like a piece of paper. You can ask him for an autograph from me or something. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm such a fanboy though, but like really he's, he's a huge name and you've already had some great people on the podcast, man. Props to you for that. Uh, I, I felt like, well, if he really wants me to have, have me on, I guess I have to go. I'm kidding. Uh, I have <laughs> tremendous respect for just guys like Pete and Lucci, um, Tim Sykes, who I know, you know, obviously I, I went to college with, uh, we didn't know each other at Tufts, but we were in the same dorm coincidence, right? Uh, trading lightning may strike twice. I'm kidding. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah. A, it's a tremendous community you're building too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's the whole sort of, um, was sort of one of my motives for starting the podcast was to sort of meet other like-minded traders and connect with them and, and, you know, sort of, um, let me yeah. speak to the, the listeners for a second. Do you guys realize what Aaron has done? He had a dream, he made a website, and he did it. He didn't, you know, you know the phrase measure twice, cut once. He didn't sit around and measure six times and dream about what it'd be like to interview these traders. He just called them, he organized it, started disseminating it. People like yourself, like myself, are listening to it now. That is the example that you should be really picking. I mean, really, Aaron, you should like have me interview you for your own podcast. But seriously, because I don't really mean that. I'm not trying to just blow smoke up your skirt. I'm telling you, like most people would never, let's say we're talking about, oh, I have an idea for a system, but I don't know if I'm ever going to code it. There are people out there who will help you. That's the lesson of this podcast. Wherever you are, whatever you need, wherever you're headed, the world is a big and friendlier than you might imagine place. And Aaron, we talked about this. I mean, we're in diametrically opposite parts of the world on diametrically opposite time zones. And the fact that we can connect, share ideas, share screens. I mean, we live in a wonderful day and age. Take advantage of that, people. Get out there and start making whatever your eagle vision is. Be the mouse, draft the details, and then be the donkey and get this into reality. Whatever it is, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's really true. One of the last questions would be, knowing everything you do now, what would you have done differently come day one again? Hmm. I think I would have, I would have told myself um, that you're not going to get rich if you quadruple your account. I think that's something that I kind of had an epiphany about a couple of years back that, uh, you know, I always tell people, think about your account and, and double it or quadruple it. Are you life-changing rich? Oh, no, you're not. You just have a little more money now in this hypothetical. Okay, then stop trying to quadruple your account now, right? 
it's not about, um, I was thinking of very oversized trades that I took early on in my trading career that oftentimes I was like right about the thesis, but I was really bad in the execution. I wasn't very smart about where to put the trade on or how to add to the trade, how to do position management. Don't make the stakes so high is, is what I think I'd tell people that this seems like a really intense game you want to participate in. And, you know, it's where the big boys play and, oh, we got to really, you know, you're trading against the best and the brightest and all these other algorithms. Yeah, I mean, sort of, you're really more trading against yourself. And I think people are, they, they feel kind of foreign when they hear that. They're like, well, what, what, what do you mean? No, I've never had to do self-control, you know, in anything before. I have other people who are my managers or my boss or my parents or some, somebody who's my kind of overseer. You're, you know, you're on your own, kid. You're, you're out, on the, out, in, out in the cold, you know, solo. And you've got to, it's kind of like, um, I'm an amateur pilot flying a plane by yourself. It's uh, it's not something to be taken lightly. Like the stakes are pretty damn high. You know what I mean? But when you're in a simulator or you're in a classroom and you're just taking a test on like, you know, basic aviation, stakes aren't that high. So don't treat yourself like you're in top gun there. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're not, you're not, especially at the beginning, you are not at that level of intensity yet. Um, so don't, partially it's, uh, what I'm trying to say is don't fool yourself. Partially what I'm saying is don't make it harder on yourself. You know what I mean? Like trading is a hard enough business and adding the emotional intensity to it only compounds that, you know, exponentially. Again, it just, it just makes it really, really, really hard to deal with. Um, I've seen many traders mentally collapse more than I've seen traders financially collapse. I know that sounds weird to say, but I really mean that. I've seen more traders who stop trading because they don't know how to succeed. They don't feel fulfilled. than they blew up their account and they ran out of money. The kind of grandiose explosion of a trader when it happens, it's memorable. And therefore we talk about it a lot. Like, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? He lost hundred grand or something. I understand that. That's a high profile or high intensity example, you know, that we may, uh, we may look back to, but the average failed trader is somebody who just can't get what they are looking for out of the markets. And so I would stop trying to peg it to dollars and cents. Start looking about it as intellectual fulfillment. Treat this like a puzzle that the stakes are pretty high, but they're not life or death. You are learning how to solve the puzzle ever more with each passing day. And it is the smartest man in the world who can learn how to gain an education without taking the risk that others take in order to gain said education. You know what I mean? Like the market will teach you what it needs to teach you, whether that costs you six months or a year or five years or 50 years is up to you. Whether that costs you $1,000 or $5,000 or $50,000 or $500,000, I mean, that's up to you. You choose your tuition in the market. And being cognizant of that, I mean, like, I think because I'd just gotten out of four years of undergraduate, um, I was a little um, blinded, let's say, or saturated probably um, with the academia thing. But I didn't, I didn't do too much planning for my own path. I just, you know, it's 2008, financial crisis hit. I started trading and I figured I would, you know, just me, you know, dig my way out um, once the whole thing settled. I should have done more planning. I should have had more foresight as to um, how am I going to be a happy, balanced person. And that's the biggest also change that I would say, man, it's certainly more personal than professional, but um, learning how to build a happier life for myself. And that's when we get beyond to make ourselves feel better than it could ever make us trade 
to make us be better than we could ever hope to trade. And that's when you've really won, when you feel happy, when you feel fulfilled, when even if a uh, trade goes bad, it's just a trade that didn't make money. It's not a failure. It's not a personal loss. I didn't screw anything up and I don't deserve to feel so bad about it. You know, what I do deserve is to do some honest assessment about why that trade didn't work and how I could have done it better. It's like when you go off a diet, do you starve yourself for seven days to make up for, you know, eating a piece of cake? No, you just go back on the diet the next day. We need to get over this kind of, um, you know, cinematic level of intensity to our trading careers sometimes. I think that's, that's what I'm broadly getting at. Um, you know, don't, don't make it harder on yourself than it has to be. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that. That's, that's really good. So on the bright side, this podcast is going to have a lot of great like quotes that we can pull from it. So the people who go down and they say, ah, too long, didn't read or like, oh my God, two hours, didn't listen, uh, which I don't blame you. If you're skipping through and you just click to this part of the podcast, um, you're, you're a jerk. You're like the guy who drives up alongside that line and then, you know, tries to put his, his turn signal on at the last second to get in and just, no, nah, I'm kidding. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that we can summarize a lot of this for people. I appreciate that you've been patient with me and in kind of indulging my meandering. Um, I feel bad, like a guy like Pete, Peter Zhang from last week on Aaron's podcast, who is 20 times as well-connected and bright and experienced as I am. I think he nailed everything in like an hour, hour and a half, hour and 15. Here I am. I'm stumbling over for two hours. I'm, no, no, I'm just babbling. Not at all. Not at all. It's been incredible. It's, it's been really I good. I think um, listeners will definitely um, pick a lot of gold out of this one. Um, so um, before we wrap things up, let's, um, so let's, let's do two different things. So if you just have a question for Zach um, and mm-hmm. you just want an answer on that one, just go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash Zach. That's Z-A-C-H. Um, if you want to do, he's also offering to do a 30 minute one-on-one sort of consulting coaching session with listeners. Um, so if you're interested in that, just shoot me an email and I'll put you in touch with them. So my email is Aaron, A-R-O-N at chatwithtraders.com. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you uh, being the intermediary. Um, you know, I'm very flexible. Uh, obviously, I'll give people my Sanglucci email address. So this is for, um, you know, a- any future questions or if you're looking to get in touch with me. Um, Zed, I should say. I almost said Z because I'm a Yankee like that. Uh, Z-H-U-R-W-I-T as in Tom, Z or Zed, again, uh, at Sanglucci. That's S-A-N-G-L-U-C-C-I. Dot com. And, uh, you, you know, anyway, uh, if you reach out to Aaron or reach out, reach out to myself, I'm happy to field any questions. Uh, it, would be, it would be a wonderful problem to have if people were eager and excited to push themselves further along the path of trading. You know what I mean? We need more of those people and fewer of the guys who are sitting around saying, eh, you know, what should I be trading today? Well, I have no idea, dude. You know what I mean? Uh, we need more students in the market. We need more people like, uh, like you and I, Aaron more young guys who are, who are committed to this. So. Yeah, words. So um, I know a lot of our listeners are very active on Twitter and um, mm-hmm. 
you also have a Twitter account. Um, <laughs> I know you're just starting out, so yeah. don't be too harsh on them. Um, <laughs> but um, please, I tell people like tweet at me and prove me wrong. Prove to me that I should have been on Twitter a long time ago. Last time I checked, so. um, your display picture was still an egg. Is that still the case? <laughs> no, no. I look, man. I got the I got the lecture from Charlie this week. He was like, dude, I appreciate you putting your Twitter handle in the in the blog post, but you look like a sketch ball, man. We got to get. I said, you're right. You're right. You're right. No, it's it's actually me. I just I'm so uh, I'm so bad about social media, and so guys, you can laugh. This is where I am absolutely the you know the infant uh, learning from the master. You know what I mean? So I, I appreciate anything that I can pick up on from uh, from anybody out there on on Twitter. If you want to tweet a chart at me, if you have a question, any of that, um, you can feel free to put my uh, my Twitter handle. It's just my name at Zach Hurwitz. No spaces, no dots, no nothing. Uh, Z A C H. H U R W I T Z. There we go. Got it. Uh, yeah, there we go. Awesome. And a, <laughs> I'm learning slowly. A link to that will be in the show notes, of course. And awesome. um, yep. yeah, hopefully we can um, get you a few more followers and uh, get you a bit more active on Twitter. <laughs> no problem. Well, and, and that's the saddest part is like people are like, hey, should I follow you on Twitter? I'm like, you're going to be exceptionally bored, but I'd appreciate it because it will motivate me uh, to use it as a, you know, a smarter medium for disseminating my ideas. And I really do love it. I love that it's a, like we were saying, democratizing. There's a really low barrier to entry right now to a lot of the um, intellectual realms or skill sets or you know networking tidbits that you would normally not have access to. Take advantage of that, my friends. Oh my God, uh, that, if that's what I would do. I would, I would go back in time and tell myself at the very beginning of my career, just wait a few years, things will get a lot easier. There's this thing called stock twits coming out. You should pay attention to that. Um, I would also probably tell myself to buy some Tesla, I guess, theoretically, if I could, you know, that's what I should have said as my, um, my answer to, you know, what would you tell yourself when you're just starting? I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Aaron. I mean, seriously, it's, uh, it's an honor to be included with this high, high, high caliber of a crowd. Um, yeah, right as well back as to you. be talking to, yeah. No, I really appreciate you coming on. So um, let's let's make it a wrap, and um, we'll keep in touch, and um, we will speak soon. We sure will. Hey, thank you guys, everyone out there uh, on on Aaron's podcast. Really been a pleasure. All right, thanks, Zach. Talk to you soon. Cool. Talk to you soon, Aaron. Thanks, man. You've come to the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but don't worry, more great episodes are on the way. To stay updated with each great new episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, and we'd love it if you leave us a rating and review. We'll see you next time on Chat with Traders.